right, guys. Your host, George McKay, I'm here at Crossbody Pro Academy. We're sitting down right before their uh, their event tonight, and I got a real sp- super special guest today. So jacked to have him for the fo- uh, for the podcast. Madman Fulton is here sitting down with me. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm excellent today, man. How you doing? I'm great. I'm, I'm sitting down talking with you. I mean, anytime I get to talk to somebody who I've seen on TV, I geek out just a little bit. It works out for me, too, because I'm my favorite subject to talk about. So, like, you so know, then we're gonna it's, 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 it's a win-win. We're going to spend the next 45 minutes talking about your absolute favorite subject. 45 minutes? How uh, much do you think I know about this? For? Well, I think you know a lot about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first question I always ask everybody is everyone has that defining moment where they fell in love with this sport we're going to be talking about today. Do you remember your defining moment? So here's the thing. And uh, I've told this story to other guys, but I'm not sure on a podcast. I don't remember what made me fall in love with pro wrestling. Like, my mom, my mom keeps everything. And she has, like, a binder from kindergarten that's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It says pro wrestler. I don't remember watching wrestling like, that young. But, like, the first, like, moment, moment, like, I just, like, this burnt into my mind was, it was uh, Michael's and Triple H feud. I think it was, like, 2002-ish. Yep. Um, so, like, the right, street, Summer Sam Street Fight? Is that what uh, we're talking no, about? No, it's like, it's right as Stone Cold was returning as like the GM because it okay. was in it was in like Fort Worth, Texas because like the whole thing is in Texas as Michael's home state there's Michael's versus Hunter uh, for the heavyweight championship and like they're going at it going at it killing each other uh, Michael's kicks out of the pedigree his sweet chin music out of nowhere falls backwards over top of Triple H one, two, three everybody's just said it because he won the title but like his shoulders were down as well because he slid too far over uh, and, and it counted as all four shoulders were down, so Triple H retained. I remember being so pissed in that moment. Like, I think I, think I was about 12 years old, and like, it was like, it was still like a, a sport. You know? it was, everything was like in my mind. It was fresh. It was real. Um, and I was so, so, so mad. It was like, right as winter break was starting, when we come back to school after winter break, I think it was like in sixth grade or something. Uh, and it was still fresh in my mind. Like, I was still mad about it. You were still angry after all that time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was talking about it with one of my buddies at school. I, just, I hadn't seen him all winter break. And another kid, uh, his name is Lane. Not going to, you know, say his last name, but his name's Lane. Uh, was like, why are you, like, why are you even bothering me? Like, you know, it's all fake, right? Uh, no, 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 no. Like, you're wrong. Like, it's nice. Like, no, it's like, it's all fake. Like, it's, it's completely set up. Got it on. I remember, like, just all my anger switched from, like, that moment to him telling my favorite thing in the world was fake. Uh, and it was the first time I ever punched another kid at school, uh, which resulted in my first Saturday school. I ever received as a student. Nice, your uh, first Breakfast Club moment. Very yeah, cool. exactly. Very cool. So, like, I don't remember what made me fall in love with, with wrestling, but I remember the first moment that made me hate a wrestler. So, and it got me at Saturday school. Well, I don't know. <laughs> if I, I don't know if I should tell you this now because you're way bigger than me and you can hurt me in a lot of different ways. But I am a Triple H fan, so that particular match, I was very excited about the outcome because it retained. <laughs> but uh, I'll say that now from a, a safe distance. But I still respect Shawn Michaels wholeheartedly. But Triple H has always been my guy. Yeah, it was just like. Ah, like it's still like fresh in my 
mind. Like I still, I think about that moment and just like, as a kid, it's like, it's like, how, just how much it hurt me. Like that, that pain, it broke your soul, you know? And like, it, it's kind of like, I, I want to get to that point in my career where I can break some poor kid's heart by like squeaking out a win over somebody, you know? Like, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll definitely have one of those moments in the near future. You know, 110%. Yeah. That's what we're working towards anyway. Absolutely. So that's kind of the moment that you kind of remember it being drilled into your brain. Influence wise, I'm assuming Shawn Michaels was a big influence. Any other influences that you'd like to mention? Um, I think it shows off a lot more now than it has like in a lot of my past. But uh, I was actually a huge fan of Kane growing up. Really? Uh, I have an older brother. He's two years older than I am. Uh, we fought quite a bit growing up. I'm older brother. You know what are you gonna do? Um, and he's bigger than you, or he was not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> um, we tell like the last fight we had was the one where I finally beat him, and he decided he didn't want to play around anymore. Um, but no, like his his favorite growing up was Undertaker, and I'm the little brother. Like, of course, I got like the exact opposite of him, and so that was Kane. But like, when you start looking back at like Kane's career, like Kane's been on top forever. Like he's been in main storylines forever. Like if you want to talk, like. Even like his introduction was a main storyline. Yeah. He lights the casket on fire. And, like, for someone who's been in, like, the main, like, limelight for so long, like, I feel like his career is really underrated for that fact because you don't realize, like, oh, yeah, Kane has been, like, a monster for 25 years straight, you know? Like, I'm 29. So he's been on top as long as pretty much you've been alive. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's crazy to me. So, like, I watched a lot of his stuff. Um, and then, you know, as, as I got older and I started getting bigger and bigger, like, I've naturally kind of liked the bigger dudes. And I think I think wrestling's kind of taken a turn towards, like, smaller guys, athletic guys. Like, But isn't that like, the case you find in every sport? I mean, think about it for a second here. Let's go, let's go to just hockey for a second. Look at hockey. Back in the 70s and 80s, it was all about the big boys, the heavy hitters. Oh, yeah. As the 90s progressed into the 2000s, it became about the small guy. It became a fast man's game. Yeah. Not the slow mind game game. So, really, if you think about it, every sport kind of has that evolution. Oh, period, like, right? I definitely think, like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I, no, no. Like, like, I don't want this to insult, like, any wrestler. Like, oh, yeah, typical big dude. Like, hates on little dudes. No. Like, I think it's I think it's awesome because it, it creates a unique position for me now that like if you think about like my size in like the 90s like I'm like at the upper end of like the middle size guys Billy Gunn is 6'5 275 like he's a big boy yeah but like he's always kind of been like a middle size too because that's the era that he came up right you know everybody was gigantic and, and muscular and stuff like that so like now I go from like there where I've been like the upper point of like the medium sized guys to an absolute monster and being able to perform that way like independently uh, and with impact like I think it, I think it's awesome like, I love the way that that progressed but, like I've always sort of gravitated towards like the really big characters love Abyss I love One Man Gang One Man Gang was kind of the guy who, who showed me 
how to be a big guy. Not like you know, I just met him for the first time like a couple months ago, uh, but like just watching like his matches with like Terry Taylor, it's like how do you, as a big guy, you know, work with someone smaller and not just ruin their lives, you know? Right. right. Um, so like I've I've always been sort of just like into like the real big muscle brute kind of heavyweights, Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, like just those guys that like you kind of get scared of them a little bit, just watching like how hard they throw a clothesline. Oh yeah, but they were still they were still workers and still brought it, you know. Oh yeah, when when you look at when you look at especially back in the older days, the grind is even more than the grind is now. The grind was harder. The grind was 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 more physically tolling because a lot of those guys, if you look back at those guys in the day, most of them were in shape, but a lot of them weren't in the greatest of shape. So when they took bumps, and when they and there's not all the safety precautions that are there now. Right. <clears throat> so when they took bumps, it kind of lasted with them for a long time. So going back to your early days in your career, mm-hmm. pro wrestler, your influences, when did you start training and who did you start training with? So... Um, it's kind of funny, like, set this up, like, a little ahead of time, like, uh, my love for professional wrestling actually got me into amateur wrestling. Like, I started in elementary school, because I thought that I would just wind up in the gym and there would be a ring ready for me, you know? Like, uh, that's what I thought wrestling was, and then it wasn't that way. It's like, oh, maybe, like, you know, you get really good at this, and you you move up. Um, And, like, I became a really, like, top-tier wrestler in high school. It got me into college. Um, and it was after my sophomore year of college. I like my record. My sophomore year was like sixteen, sixteen. Like I was super mediocre. And like in my mind, I'm like, okay, like I'm not that good of an amateur wrestler. Like Olympics is probably out of my reach. Like let's start training for pro wrestling. And I found a gym uh, right outside. I went to college at Ashland University, and I found a gym right outside in Mansfield called ASW. The American States Wrestling Alliance. Uh, it is a gym started by a man named Charlie Fulton, um, and it, the current trainer there is a guy, a living nightmare, Jimmy Lee. And I messaged Jimmy Lee, and I asked him like all my questions. I'm like, I'm still wrestling in college, like I'm not supposed to be pro wrestling. Like, is there ways around that? He's like, Yeah, like don't really worry about yourself like that, because he kind of knew like nobody's really going to come sniffing around like independence for a college wrestler. Like, they're way different. Um, and so I started training with him that summer of 2010. And then I had my first match in October of 2010. I had a couple more, like two or three, and then I stopped to go back into college wrestling. Because as long as college wrestling was paying the bills, like, or uh, help pay my tuition, I couldn't give that up. Right. So, uh, you know, and my, my college coach found out, and he's like, just don't do both at the same time. And if, you know, if NCAA finds out, I'm throwing you under the bus. So I was like, yeah, yeah, fair. You know, fair enough. can't ask for much more than that. And then that year, I think with all the extra, like, training, I went from 16 and 16 to 37 and 4. And took fourth place in the nation. Like, wow. Yeah. No, like, even I was like, man, like, where did this, like, come from? Like, was it all this extra training, like, working my body as hard as I was? Um, did, you know, you move, with, uh, did you move up a weight class? No. No, so you were the same weight class. Yeah, stayed heavyweight. Um, but it just, like, 
I don't know what clicked or what was different, but like all of a sudden, like I I knew everything. Like I was really good, and uh, I went on, went back that summer after after the season. I went back to some like other pro matches. Um, I got to meet Rosie along the way, who was a big influence. Um, I, I met I met Rhino really early on, who like he helped me out a bit, but he kind of was very much like, yeah, they're gonna sign you as soon as they figure out who you are. Like, don't really like beat yourself up yet about indies, um, which he was right, but like I didn't really believe him at the time. You know, you always doubt yourself a little bit. Um, and you know, I started meeting guys. I started getting my name out. I went back to college wrestling my senior year. Um, and it was there that, like, I was, depending upon who you ask, like, first or second, you know, in the nation. And when Nationals came through, I lost a match I shouldn't have lost because I got a little cocky. Um, and it just, like, it broke me. Like, that tournament was very much like if I didn't win, I didn't really care, which is awful to say, but, like, you know, it's true. Um, and I went... So the way like that works is if you make it to the second day of the tournament, the the worst I could have done was eighth place, which is an All-American. So I was a two-time All-American no matter what. So I just set my goals on like trying to slam kids and make kids tap out and like trying to get DQ from the tournament because I was livid that I wasn't going to win it. And sure enough, uh, Briscoe's flight gets canceled and he drives an hour because he's right next to D2 Nationals. And what does he see but a giant bleach blonde kid just throwing people around and making kids tap out in the mat. And like, it's just so odd how things work out because if I hadn't lost that match, I wouldn't have been that aggressive and Briscoe wouldn't have seen that side of me. And maybe I would have never got signed with NXT right out of that. So it's just like, I don't know, it's kind of just a crazy series of events that like, kind of sparked it's, 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 my yeah, wrestling it's, it's career. How sometimes, to be cliche, the chips fall the right way. Or oh, the yeah. deck, the, you, the card in the deck comes out, you're, you're, you know, you're beating the dealer at this point. Mm-hmm. So going to NXT, talk to me about the experiences there and what you learned there, the knowledge, like how to design your character, how to be more of a storyteller in the ring. Cause you had done Indies a little bit, as you said. Yeah, I, I, I done Indies, um, and it wasn't very good. Like, <laughs> oh, I was, cause like I was taking all the time off for amateur wrestling in between. So like I was just falling back months and months before coming back. Um, but I was still like just my size really helped me out getting a lot of different places. Um, but NXT was like a whole different animal because you are like you're competing against guys who've been doing it way longer, guys who are way more famous out of the gates. Like, and it's such a it's such a weird environment because you can work and work and work and work, but the thing is, is like they need they're looking for specific things that you might not, that they don't even know what they're looking for. Like, they'll know when they see it, you know? And uh, I didn't learn this until much later on, and I wish I would have, but I was given the quote, you know, you can be the biggest and juiciest steak on the shelf, but if there's a vegan doing the shopping that day, you're not going to get bought. So it's like, you can put all, you know, you can form this character, you can do all the stuff that you think is great, but if that's not what they need, that's not what they need. Um... And so, like, figuring that out, figuring where you fit in, 
uh, you know, how to put your matches together with each individual person, how to navigate the landscape. Like, there's there's a ton to learn there, but you're also, like, and, you know, you're setting up the ring, like, you're doing everything that you would out on the indies. It's just, like, you're getting paid, like, the whole time. And I think that kind of, like, subconsciously takes a toll on you. Like, it's like, you know, like, I can try, but... Now, if it doesn't work, I'm still eating. Right. Whereas, like, so you don't you don't take as many risks as you. No, would? I think I think you like I think you still take risks, but I think it's like they don't mean as much. The chips aren't quite as down because you want to get better and you want to move up and you want to do your best. I'm not saying any of these guys don't do their best, but like. When it's a difference of, well, you know, uh, my car is going to get repoed if I don't make enough of this show to uh, pay my bill next week. So it's like, you figure, you know, it's out here is so much more of a do or die and like trial by fire than it is there. Um, but man, you learn, there's just so much knowledge to be had at NXT. Like, and so many brains to pick, right? So many legends that you could sit down and have a, a 20, well, maybe not a 20, but maybe a 5, 10, 15 oh, minute conversation with, right? I, you know, one of the best feelings in the world is like, you go through like a three hour practice and you, you know, you burn five shirts and you're sweaty and like you really gave it your all and like you learn some really cool stuff and then you sit and you stretch out at the end and Norman Smiley tells you a story you know about you know about him coming up or like different spots with him or a funny wrestling story uh, you know Haku throwing a brick at his head and him not sure <laughs> what was coming you know like he's like oh Haku put me against the wall I was like move it's like from what ah! like and it's awesome like to hear those experiences and just like see like kind of get from them what they went through and it like I will never take for granted like what I had the opportunity to learn there but I honestly don't think it was until I got let go that I really figured out in my mind how to implement it. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, so um, in terms of the coaches there at NXT, just a personal question for myself. Who was the one coach that really helped kind of shape you? Because I know the coaches, they work with everybody, but sometimes they, they, they take a little bit extra time here or there, from what I understand. Was there any one coach that would really, really kind of help you whenever they could, give you that little bit of extra time? Uh, what's really cool about NXT is, like, all the coaches are willing to do that for me. Like, I've had extra practices with Robbie Brookside, Norman Smiley, Adam Pierce, Billy Gunn. Like, all these guys are willing to put in that extra time and effort. If, if you, you are. are. Yes. Like, if you don't ask them, they're not going to go do it. But if it's like, hey, like, I have this idea for a finish. Can we, can we walk through it? Can we try some stuff on this? Like, what do you think about this? What if my character was like this? And they'll sit down and they'll talk to you about it. Like, and like, it's so, like, sometimes you don't want to, like, you're too nice and you want to be respectful and you don't want to take up too much of a coach's time. Like, they want to give you that time. I tell you right now, and I guarantee you it's still happening, that Norman Smiley is there for at least two hours after every practice. 
And if nobody shows up to do extra training with him, he's walking through different spots that he thinks might be cool for somebody with the Invisible Man. Like, he is one of the greatest wrestling minds like, I've ever, like, even witnessed. Norman Smiley can wrestle you without you being physically conscious of the fact that you're wrestling. Like, he's that good. Um, and, like, they're all willing just like, to give you that extra little boost. You know, and uh, like when sanity was going on, and like Wolf and I thought I we had a good grasp on what we wanted to do, and then it turns out that like that's not the direction they wanted us to go. It's like okay, so then we stay two hours, we work with Mormon. We stay two hours, we work with Adam Pierce. We stay two hours, we work with Blue, with Brookside. We figure out like okay, this coach was this, this, and this. Well, we take pieces of that, pieces from this coach, and we mash them all together. But it's like, you really got to like put in the effort to do it. And like, I think that's kind of like what really sets people, the people who break out, I think that's what sets them apart, is how much extra work. Well, you know what they say, the grind isn't easy, but the rewards are substantial if right. you put the grind in, right? It's not a nine-to-five game, and if you come into this business thinking it is, you're going to be let down very easily you know and like and I think about it a lot because I, I put in so much time with actual practices actual workouts like especially my last year to just try anything because I wanted it so bad and like you know there's always that piece it's like ah oh, what if you know what if I say two and a half hours and two hours you know why why did I need to go home just then I wasn't doing anything like those ideas start to stack in your head and like I, you know, I'm very proud of what I accomplished there and how hard I worked. Um, and I, you know, it's it's unfortunate that, you know, things couldn't have worked out. But, like, just where I am now, you know, I, I realize that the hard work was paying off a lot more than I gave it credit for at those times. Like, now, now that I'm finally seeing the light start to show, it's like there's those extra hours. There's that extra lesson from Norman. There's that extra lesson from Robbie. And it's like, you know, if you're not getting the way you want or you're not progressing the way you think you are, it's so easy just to, like, shut your mind off and get stressed and get down on yourself about, like, ah, like, am I really going to make it? Like, like, ah, like, what's the next step? Like, what do I do? What do I do? And then finally something just clicks. Something you've done a thousand times finally clicks and it's like the light starts to peak and like everything you've worked for kind of starts coming out and it's it's cool now to see that especially from where I was like when I got let go you know so you talked about how once you did get let go you started to implement things more and more kind of things you had the knowledge you had gained what were kind of some of the early things you implemented right kind of right away to kind of get you to uh, you're back into your indie groove and then eventually going to impact so I like right away I tried to stay in Florida um, and like the biggest thing with Florida is it's just like it's it's kind of hard to travel out as a lot of guys will tell you there like you gotta get to a certain point before like you're getting your flights paid for and stuff like that um, and like I felt kind of stuck for like a long time and I had a, a really good job uh, working down there and I was working as a, uh, a tour guide at an exotic animal farm which like and working with animals like one of the things that I've always wanted to do and I started to get really comfortable uh, and it came to a 
a point where it's like, if I stay here any longer, I'm going to get too comfortable not wrestling, and it's going to become, it's going to go to the back burner. Uh, I, I call Sammy the next day, and I'm like, I got to come back. Like, just, I don't care, like, you don't have to give me a job anywhere. Just like, show me, show me what I'm doing wrong. Like, help me find these pieces. And, you know, Sammy and I have been friends forever. He was so, like, he was so stoked that I looked to him in that way. You reached out to him, of course. Yeah, and uh, I moved up and I started training with him and just like every day just trying something more and more. And just like in my mind, like, it just wasn't working. It wasn't working. My name wasn't getting out the way I wanted it to. And those depressing thoughts are creeping back in, you know, like, like, man, maybe I really don't have it. Maybe I'm just like, you know, maybe I really only had the hype. You know, you start doubting yourself. Um, and it was like, really, at like that moment where like, I was like, just down, I was doubting myself the most that I just started, like, and it was the cliche story. I stopped caring. I stopped caring, like, oh, I have to do it this way. I have to do it this way. And I just started doing stuff. And I started noticing the reactions. It's like, okay, well, it worked a little bit here. Well, let's tweak it. Let's tweak it. And, like, more and more, like, my popularity started to grow. And, like, uh, you know, I, I've told this story to a few of the guys before. It's like, I like I still wasn't sure if like like you know I was still really depressed about my wrestling and like I, I was scared and like maybe I wasn't going to be able to make it you know and like, those thoughts started creeping in my head. I had a uh, Texas Strap match for my homecoming ASWA my homecoming uh, against a kid up and coming kid named Robbie Collins, really young but really really good for like his age. Uh, and like we had been building the story and building the story uh, and we get to this, this strap match and I just told him like we talked a little bit about the beginning and I'm just like yeah like whatever happens happens like it's a strap match like we'll figure it out and like I really like I just didn't care like there was just no thought in my mind about what we were going to do you know because I was in that that much of a depressed state about you know my wrestling and we go and we start brawling out in the crowd and I'm taking him around the crowd hitting him with the strap and I see his dad sitting up in the corner of the bleachers and just like in all of a sudden my mind just flared up and I drug him up there, you know, put him over the bleachers. And I start hitting him in front of his dad, talking trash to his dad, and just like getting in his dad's face the whole time. And his dad, like, I watch him, like, I must have said something to struck a chord because I watched his fist fall up by his side, you know, under my breath, like, I try not to cuss on your show. But I'm like, you, know, you can go ahead it. and do it. That's why you do it, pussy. <laughs> you know, real quiet. No one else heard it. And he reached back and he popped me so hard directly in the nose. He's not a wrestler, he didn't know. He hit me so hard in the nose. I go flying off the back of the bleachers. That place starts coming up. And then all of a sudden, like, in my mind, like, you start seeing that pathway, you know, open up. You know, the yellow brick road is starting to unfold. And, like, all of a sudden, I'm switching stuff on the fly, and we're calling, and we're going, and this thing is just lighting up, and, like, it's all coming together. And, like, like it's so weird because, like, I'll be selling. I'll have to hide my face. I've got such just this cheesy grin on my face about, like, like, ah, like, there it is. Like, 
that's why I started doing this shit. Like, that's, that's what I wanted this whole time. And, like, it's, like, the first time in my mind where, like, everything that I've been working for and trying just, like, clicked into place. And, like, it's just been nonstop there. Like, I'll come up with an idea that I think is dumb as hell. And I'll message Jake Christ or I'll message Sammy or Dave. And they're like, it's not bad, but what if we tried it like this? And they, they kind of bring me in because like those, between those three, like, like if you want to get over like on the independent circuit, like look at those three, look at what they've done, you know? And I'm not just saying that because we're on all in OVE together, but like they have so much knowledge about how to get over out here. And like, they just like, they take my ideas instead of like shutting them down and being like, Oh, that's dumb. They nurture them and they're like, okay, well, like, let's make this a little less hokey. Let's factor in the point that you're a monster and let's make this work the way you want it to work. Right. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I just, like, I'm so positive about wrestling right now. Just, just the atmosphere with those guys, the atmosphere with the impact locker room. Like, there's just so much positivity. And I think that's like one of the main things that was like really dragging me down when I first left NXT was. I questioned myself so much and made me second guess my own talent so much. And then once I started realizing like, oh, like I'm not like I'm not that bad. I'm not I'm not that person. And I'm not I'm not gonna go and say like, oh, NXT made me feel like I was really you know, made me hate myself. It's not like that. It's like my I feel like my inability to get over an NXT and like my, my failures of being there for five years and not making it to the main roster, like it cuts into your head, you know, like like, damn, I'm so close. Like, how did I miss it, you know? And you second-guess yourself the whole time, and then one day something clicks, and you're like, oh, like, this is working here, this is working here, and now, like, I'm finally to the point where, like, I'm living off of wrestling again, and it's, like, such a cool feeling inside that, like, now is, like, yeah, I, I I got a good start with NXT because I was this big violent dude, and now all of a sudden it's like my hard work's paying off. People are seeing like, oh, this isn't just some giant that they hired in because he was a, a big athletic looking dude. This is a cat that like has been working his ass off from day one. People are starting to notice. It's starting to like show me the respect of that and they, they love it and it's like I don't know it's just cool watching all the pieces start to fit together so you mentioned the strap match and I'm yeah. interested about something else is there any other type of matches that you've had or that you would like to have down the road in the near future that you maybe haven't had yet like say Steel Cage or Falls Count Anywhere uh, Hardcore Match Backyard Brawl uh, Street Fight is there anything that you you haven't done we had so we had the OVE uh the OVE rules match on Impact. Uh, the first time in a match I've ever done anything with a ladder. And I just had a ladder match at Alpha One uh, last weekend. Excuse me. Um, which, you know, this is the first official ladder match I've been in. Um, I, like, I'm a firm believer that you, I really want to build into something special. And, like, like you know, I, I know Abyss is left to go be a producer, but I would love to get into, like, a real monster's ball match with him, you know? Um, 
but like I want to like for me I don't know if there's any sort of like certain type of match I want to be in like uh, I did war games for MLW that was a cool part cool thing to be a part of I actually of. watched a little bit of that today online and it was pretty damn cool oh uh, yeah I gotta, I gotta say oh yeah awesome. I got a nice 13 uh, stitch scar across my face to remind <laughs> yeah. me of that one. I was watching it with my nine-year-old this morning, and uh, that was actually that particular part, and my nine-year-old was like, Daddy, is he hurt? I'm like, that's going to be a couple of stitches. I'm not sure how many, but it's definitely going to oh, be a went, couple. It went, it went down to my cheekbone. Like, I definitely touched my cheekbone. Um, what was crazy about that is, like, like when my when my adrenaline's going, like I don't feel a lot of pain. Like once again, I think fighting with my brother growing up, I kind of got used to. It. Right. So like when I tore my pack in like NXT, I knew my arm was messed up because I couldn't use it the way I wanted. But I didn't know what. I couldn't discern the pain. When I got hit in the face in that War Games match, uh, my first thought, literally the first thing through my head was, why is my stomach wet? Like it didn't dawn on me. I'm like, I wasn't wet before. Why am I wet now? And I look, and my stomach's red. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm bleeding. And like, and it's immediately like, where's the closest camera? Right behind you. But I'm punching the cameraman in the leg to get him to point his camera down. And he points his camera down. And I just go, ah! like, oh my god, like, <laughs> um, and it was just like one of those things. Like I had no idea how bad it was. Until like Abyss is crossing my path, and he just goes, "Jesus, are you okay?" <laughs> and like I figure, if like that's the reaction I got out of Abyss, I'm like, "Oh, that's probably not good for me, huh?" Um, you know, I, I had no idea until I got to the back, and they literally like they they stuffed everything in my bag, and they're like, "Like you need to go to the hospital." now and like the uber canceled on us like twice i'm like oh, i feel fine like i'll just drive myself to the hospital i drove myself to the hospital holding my cheeks shut with mcdonald's napkins uh, <laughs> and when you got to the, when you got to the er what was the first thing the nurse said to you <laughs> they just looked at me because i didn't put a shirt on i didn't change out of my gear nothing it was just this big bloody dude and they just looked at me like he, he's got to be kidding. <laughs> uh, and it's like it was weird because I was so nonchalant about it. They were kind of nonchalant about it. Like I walked in, like it's just a you know casual Saturday night, uh, and they sort of treated it that way. They was like, oh yeah, you know, just go over there, sit in the waiting room, and we'll come and get you when it's ready. So I'm bleeding out of a you know two inch gap in my face. Like, okay, I mean, you got you know you got any of like the word search magazines back here? <laughs> well, I got I got to ask a hypothetical because I'm a big fan of hypotheticals. So of course, let's say. The Impact Heavyweight Title Championship all of a sudden tomorrow becomes vacant. You get a call from Scott DeLore, and he says you're going to go one on one with anyone in the locker room for that title. Who would you go against, and what kind of match would it be? Oh, uh, well, I, I would assume like if it was vacant, like if you're if you're going to go like straight storyline, like 
like it's, it's Elgin, you have uh, Johnny Impact, you have Swan, uh, even Sammy are like kind of like the higher up guys. Um, so like, it, like if it was for the heavyweight title, like I'm guessing like Elgin and Impact would be the guys. Like if you're talking about like the match I want to have, on yeah. Impact, like let's say let's say Scott Demore yeah. comes to you and he says. All right, man. Because like you're gonna go one on one with anyone in the locker room for that title. See, who do you want? I very much want to just drill home the fact that I am the monster now. In Impact, I'm the guy you have to deal with, and I think right now I know he's not like a mainstay on the roster anymore. But I think that's Congo Kong. I want the next biggest guy available to go through and have like that big guy, big guy, just fight each other, root matchup uh, and kind of like and show like why I'm one of the one of if not the best big man you know well if I'm booking that match from my side of things I gotta throw you two in a cage I you know I wouldn't be against that yeah you, you oh, would yeah. do a steel cage match 100% what about a false count anywhere would you do that too yeah, probably if you gave us a big enough building I think I think guys our size like you need if you want to go false count anywhere you need you need some room for the big guys yeah, to course, roll. Yeah, of course, of you course. Know? You, you need a you need a big mainstay arena for sure. Oh yeah. You know, if you ever come back to Toronto, I mean, I I don't know anybody at ACC, but I could push for that one. I could push <laughs> for you guys at Scotiabank Arena. You know, uh, I was very proud because uh, we did the Impact Champions in Toronto, and it was actually the first time that I had wrestled in that city since tearing my pec in that city, and it was just that little like kind of redeem moment for me of like, listen, like everything comes full circle. And of course, like it has Swan involved in the match, which Swan was there when I tore my pec. So like it's very like just it's a cool little moment like in my eyes that I don't think a lot of fans will ever get to appreciate of like No, yeah, I appreciate it. Like, I get it. Yeah. It, you know it, the injury happened in the city, but now you're redeeming yourself in the city. Right. And it happened with another one of your one of your brothers, right? Right. There with exactly. You. So two more questions and then we'll wrap it up. Dream match. If you had a chance to go one on one with anybody in this business, could be past, could be present, could be future, could be anybody from any roster. Give me your dream match. Um so like as I said, like I've always been like a dude who's like I like the big like heavy hitters. And I uh, dude, I think I think Stan Hansen in his prime, like just watching how nasty he is over in Japan, like I would I would love to just have like get some time, like have a barn burner with someone who's just like like all right, like like you're gonna say there's Kane? not there's not gonna be a, I think I think King's a good like a good one, but like if you're giving me the opportunity like Pick anybody anybody any era. Anybody any era like fucking prime era Japan Stan Hansen like you're not gonna see a shred of technical ability between either of us. You're gonna see two just giants just beating the piss out of each other like it's all for pride at that point yeah that's the match I would want to have and my final question before we wrap this up because I know you got to work on some stuff what's the five year plan for Madman Fulton where do you see yourself in five years uh, right now my, my impact contract is for the next three years the the atmosphere there and feeling there and like how hard they're working to build impacts 
you know, build it back up from where it was and how much the locker room wants to make that happen. Like, there's a sweet atmosphere. They make me want to be there. You know, uh, uh, when, when Cage got hurt, when Swan got hurt, you know, Scott Demore went and sat in the hospital with them. With them. Like, that's classic. That's all kinds like, of yes. Yeah. Like, a guy who cares enough about his product and his talent to actually go to the hospital and spend that time, knowing full well he's got TV next to the day, seeing up to 4 a.m. until they're checked out of the hospital with that, like, it's encouraging. It made me want to work there. Like, right now, I want to build impact. I want to be part of that. And, like, there's so much opportunity with, like, AEW, like, coming out of, you know, rising up to kind of challenge, like, WWE. Like, it's going to bring a lot of eyes on the wrestling. And I think right now, Impact is one of the best products out there. But it's just so hard to watch. Uh, like, like not everybody gets pursuit, and not everybody knows how to use Twitch. But Impact Plus is, you know, making it much Impact more. Plus, I love it. Yeah, it's, it's making it awesome. much more available to watch. And like Twitch is becoming more mainstream. Uh, you know. It's like eventually this secret's gonna get out. You're gonna realize it. Like main events on Impact are like pay per view quality matches anywhere else because the talent there wants you to see how hard we're working and how much like this deserves a shot as anything else. And it's like I want to be a part of that. I want to build it up. Like you know, I don't know what's gonna happen at the end of that three year contract. I don't know where I'll be. I don't know what they'll be using me for. But, like, you know, if I had the opportunity, like, I want to further establish myself as a monster impact and help, you know, take it into their next big era. That's awesome, and I have no doubt that you will. Thank you so much for taking the time out with me today. It was absolutely a pleasure speaking with you, and I want to officially let you know we're now a member of the Straight Talk Wrestling family. <laughs> Anytime right. you want to come back on the podcast, I would absolutely love to sit down with you again. You have great knowledge, and your your story is nowhere near complete. I can't wait to see. I'm going to call it right now. Within three years, you're going to be fighting who's ever wearing that strap for the heavyweight title. Uh, that's the plan, I, man. I, I 100% see you there. And when it, when it does happen, I will try to get tickets, and I will try to be in the front row so I can be like, you were on my show. <laughs> Remember that one time? Remember that time? <laughs> All right, guys, that's everything for today. As always, I am your host, Jordan McKay. I'm here with... Madman Fulton. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. Wrestling!